This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. As always, today I'm joined for Season 5, Episode 10, Buried, by my good friend, co-host, co-founder of this podcast and the entire Vernacular Podcast Network. Zach, Zach, how are you? I'm doing very well, Josh. I am pumped to get into this recording because I really want to hear you read the two-minute summary and this word that <laughs> oh, gosh. is very difficult to pronounce. <laughs> yes, there's going to be an Indian reservation name that I have to attempt to pronounce. <laughs> And I will do my best. So sorry to any native Navajo speakers out there if I butcher this. All right. It's, uh, it's not intentional. Let's do it. Should we just jump right in? Let's, Let's just jump, jump right in. I got to hear this. Yeah. All right. Here's our two minute summary. And here's what from... I'll do. I'll grade the summary and I'll grade your pronunciation <laughs> based on my similarly okay. amateur understanding of how to pronounce this word. Yes. And, and it, you know, in all fairness, we did attempt to listen to a pronunciation on Google before we recorded this, but still can't promise anything. Correct. So here we yeah. go. Two minute summary of season five, episode 10, Buried. Hank reaches Skylar before Walt. He attempts to obtain a statement from Skylar, but she refuses to talk. Skylar also refuses to say anything incriminating when Marie visits, only saying, quote, I'm so sorry, end quote. Walt buries his money in the desert at the Tohajile Indian <laughs> Reservation. <laughs> I'm sorry, I tried, I tried. Lydia, facing pressure from her Czech Republic customers, tries to convince Declan to use Todd as his chemist. When Declan refuses, Uncle Jack's gang kills him and his associates and takes the meth production equipment. Hank, unable to obtain information from Skylar or Walt, returns to his office at the DEA to learn that Jesse is being detained and questioned. All right, Zach, first grade the summary, then grade my pronunciation. And I'm sorry, I'm not a wind talker here, so I can't can't promise anything. Uh, no. So actually, I'll, I'll grade your pronunciation first. I would say solid B, okay. uh, given I'll what we that. just heard on the the Navajo <laughs> language website where we yeah we play we we played the correct pronunciation. I mean, uh, it, it was brave of you to try. I think it's you know something like Tohajile. Yeah. Uh, and so I, you know you you were close enough to that. I think. And yeah. I think what we should have done is just have you play it over top, and then like <laughs> yeah. you know like I get to the you know buries his money in the desert at. You know, at the and then insert, insert the, native the Navajo Google, speaker. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Indian reservation. That would have been safest. Um, perfect. Uh, well, yeah, I think you did pretty well, man. Uh, I, I was impressed. It was it was funny just because you know we had we had joked about how yeah. badly you'd mess it up, but you did pretty good. So <laughs> B for you, and I will okay. give this grade. It's, it's actually I, I find it pretty good. I mean, it's written pretty clinically, but I would say B minus. I think the important stuff is in here. Um. All the high points are are just are correctly described, at least factually. So I'll say B minus. How about you? I'll go C plus. And and the main reason is, uh, for that is that this sort of jumps in without much context. So if you didn't know what what we were talking about here, Hank reaches Skylar before Walt, you wouldn't have any idea. Now I think that the 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 thought is that you know sort of what you're coming into. But in case you were just trying to see, you know, what's coming up, I, I think you might need a little refresher. Hank reaches Skylar before Walt to discuss what he just learned or, or something like that. Something that gives a little more context to what that means. And then the other thing is that, you know, at the very end of the episode ends with Hank going into the interrogation room and yeah. he's not being held by the DEA. He's being held by the local police. Yeah, APD. And so I think there, there's a little bit of confusion about who has them. The way this is written sort of seems to imply that the DEA has him, 
but really it's the the APB, uh, yeah, APD, uh, and then it's really and then Hank goes there to sort of interrogate him. So we haven't seen that interrogation. That'll happen in the next episode. But I do find the summary a little bit confusing. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually, as you were talking, I'm going to downgrade mine to a straight up C because I was just reaching or reading this five word sentence in the beginning. Hank just got her before Walt. It ends it with a prepositional phrase and it's, it's not very clear, right? I mean, what it's saying is he reaches Skyler before Walt reaches Skyler, right. but it re, it could read also as in he reaches Skyler before he reaches Walt, <laughs> right? And yeah. so, so yeah, there's yeah, some definitely. ambiguity there as well. So I'm going to downgrade it to full letter grade for the basic error of ending with the prepositional phrase. Um, all right. Yeah, I think that's all I got. Okay, let's move on to trivia and bloopers. And I know you pulled a lot of these, so I'll let you sort of lead this this conversation real quick here, and then we'll move on to our other our other things for the podcast. Great. Yeah. So a uh, couple things here, and you know, I go on IMDb and try to find some interesting stuff here. So the Declan scene where Lydia's underground, the shootout, etc. The shadows are discontinuous, and this happens all the time with shoots, right? Just because shoots can take a long time, they're out there for several hours, but you can tell that it has been several hours because of the length of the shadows uh, on the ground. So when she walks in, it looks like it's probably, you know, two in the afternoon. And when she comes out, what is really like 10 minutes later, it looks like it's about four in the afternoon, just by the the difference in the length of shadows, maybe even later. So she's, maybe she blacked out. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Like, uh, yeah. It's like, it was just too stressful for her hearing the guns. <laughs> and she just blacked out yeah. underground. Yeah. Todd's so up there being like, uh, Lydia, hello. Miss, hello. Yeah. What's her lot? La- Miss Rodart quail. Yeah. Miss Rodart yeah quail. Exactly. Uh, and then, um, Walt buries the money. Uh, hence the episode title buried where he buries the money is a lat long, you know, 34, 59, 20 North one Oh six, 36, 52 West. That is actually in real life, the location of Albuquerque studios where the series is filmed, uh, which is kind of a fun little Easter egg there. Um, bit of trivia. Aaron Paul has no speaking lines in this. He appears prominently, including the very long opening scene where there are also no lines, the cold open, uh, but he has no speaking lines throughout. In fact, he's in this like catatonic state throughout, which is interesting. Um, some more trivia here, uh, also from IMDb. So uh, you know, this is my like half-assed internet research. Cannot verify this is correct. But uh, Saul has that hilarious suggestion that maybe uh, Walt can send Hank on a trip to Belize, <laughs> and it's like Saul's uh, sort of uncouth way of suggesting that he just offs Hank and murders him. Walt totally demurs and actually uh you know castigates Saul for suggesting that because Hank is family yada yada uh <laughs> but apparently the Belize Tourism Board actually this is a verbatim from uh IMDb the Belize Tourism Board actually offered free vacations to Vince Gilligan and eight of the show's cast as PR stunt to help confirm the Central American country's image as a safe spot for tourists <laughs> <laughs> that's um, pretty funny yeah and then uh couple errors here when Lydia gets out of the car this is again just like you know you shoot it multiple times but they didn't wipe off her shoes after the first several times they did this so her shoes are already dirty uh when she steps out they're covered in dust and then they just get more dust on them when she steps out and walks around and then the final thing is Walt in order to save the lat long he gets a lottery ticket uh the kind of lottery ticket obviously where you can punch in your numbers right so that way he can save the lat long but if you look at the ticket, it's a QP ticket, not a lottery player, but per the internet, QP means quick picks, and that's the one where you let the computer pick for you. So it would you got not a really be really lucky computer. Exactly. It would not be a QP <laughs> ticket. It would be a like manual right. entry. I picked my own numbers ticket. So that's all I've got for trivia and bloopers. Yeah, those are fun. I, I love that Aaron Paul has no speaking lines. I don't think I thought about that during yeah. during the episode. He probably got the script and was like, sweet, easiest <laughs> great. episode ever. I just have to act. I don't have to say anything. That's right. pretty awesome. Totally great. 
All right, Zach, any broader thoughts and themes for this episode before we go on to best scene, best moment, best writing? Yeah, so one of my favorite things about this episode and the most remarkable to me is Skylar's intransigence. I mean, she barely says anything to Marie when Marie confronts her. And she doesn't give up anything to Hank at all to the point where she says, like, I need a lawyer and then storms out with the the whole, am I under arrest? Am I under arrest? And the fact that the the jig is up, if you will, and she still will not give in Walt is really, really interesting. And we see that scene where Walt comes back from digging, collapses in the bathroom. Skyder basically nurses him back to health and, you know, has a conversation with him there on the bathroom floor. And it's really remarkable to me how their relationship, if anything, seems, seems to be, you know, almost have gotten stronger as Walt kind of relied on her and sort of wrapped her into more of the Heisenberg business. And she's not going to give up Walt. Um, and I just find that really remarkable as like a kind of a storyline, a character development item for Skylar. We've thought for so long that she is just sort of going along because she doesn't feel like she has a way out. Now she has a way out and she's not going to take it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's partly that she is trying to, you know, be self-preservation minded. I think that's definitely part of it because, you know, I think that uh, part of her doesn't necessarily believe, Hank, that that he will protect her. Not not that he maybe that he can't protect her. Maybe she thinks he might, but that she doesn't think that he will be able to. So I think that's part of it. But I also think, you know, everything we know about Skylar, everything we had our discussion about her color of choice, which is blue, you know, is loyalty. And I think part of her just cannot, it's like, uh, it's like that. I, I wish I could quit you thing that was made famous by Brokeback Mountain years ago, but so it's like, she can't, she literally cannot get away from him. And it's just one of those things where she wants to, be with him. And I think part of that too, it comes from wanting to protect the kids. And, you know, we've seen how detrimental this has been to Walt Jr. up to this point. And she knows that it will continue to be detrimental to Holly. Yeah. You know, if all of this comes out and I think she's, all of these things are sort of running through her mind at once and leading to the fact that she's going to storm out and say, I'm not going to do this right now. I need a lawyer. Of course, she then goes to Saul, which is, you know, great lawyer, man. I mean, he, <laughs> great lawyer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kind of shady, though. Yeah. No, I, I I, guess all those points make sense. It's it's more like disappointing, right? I mean, at this point, the viewer realizes Walt's a bad guy. You know, yeah. maybe he wasn't always a bad guy, but at this point, he's a bad guy. And Hank is a good guy, rough around the edges, but he's a good guy. And, you know, just like any Western, you want the good guys to win and the bad guys to lose. And, and you have one of a few critical linchpins, you know, probably Saul and Jesse being the others who can put Walt away for good, and she's not going to do it. She's not even going to talk to the cops, right? right? And, and it's kind of a frustrating moment for the viewer and a disappointing one because you hoped Skyler was better than that, and you're realizing, oh, she's not. Well, I think b- before we move on to your best scene, which we're going to dissect this Hank and Skyler scene a little bit, I do want to say about Skyler, I just think that what we're not seeing is twofold. One is that she doesn't know the exact depth to which Walt has fallen. She doesn't know all the people he's, you know, murdered or uh, coordinated the murder of. So that's part of it. I think the other part of it is that, you know, we as the audience have known Walt for a year and a half of his life, but Skylar has lived with him for 20 plus years. And so there's a huge history there that I think that she 
possibly can't get beyond. And I think that that's that's not something to sort of necessarily just roll right over because she has incredible history, the majority of which he was probably a, a loving husband, or at least that's what we're made to believe. I mean, obviously they had their issues, but you know, he was there at, for the family up to that point, and at least to some extent. So I think that that's part of it. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Well, let's move on to this this best scene that you've picked. It's between Hank and Skylar, and then I want to sort of talk about, I know you'll have thoughts, but I want to talk also about sort of Hank's approach here. So this is a little bit of that that scene between the two of them. I got all these little pieces like they're all part of the story right but they don't mean much on their own but when you start telling me what you know we start filling in the gaps i'll have them and lock them before the sun goes down hank i i i i think maybe maybe i need a lawyer so zach what i want to ask you about this since you picked it as your your best scene here did did hank make the best approach here i mean i think that's part of the problem in that he did not, I think he assumed what Skylar was feeling, but he didn't know for sure, and he assumed wrong. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely. Um, and I think, I just mentioned, you know, Walt's the bad guy in a Western, and Hank is the good guy rough around the edges. But this is like one of the symptoms of being rough around the edges, right? Hank is a good guy who sometimes just gets blinded by his hatred for the bad guy. Right. Yeah. And I do not think this is a good faith approach of Skyler. Right. Just like, you know, we'll see this in the next episode. He does not have a good faith approach of Jesse in the interrogation room. Right. All he cares about is getting the bad guy. And he makes a rather convincing case like, you know, your sister is the most important person to me in the world. And that's it's very touching and sweet. But he's saying, like, believe me when when I say you, you and I have the same interests in mind. Right. In other words, he doesn't want to do wrong by Skyler because Marie would never let him hear the end of it, et cetera, or would just hurt her tremendously, et cetera. But I don't think this is a good faith approach because any law enforcement officer worth his salt knows that the best way to go after someone is without a lawyer to be a roadblock. But the best way to go around someone in a way that's totally above board is with the lawyer right there for the questioning, right? Unless there's an explicit waiver of rights. And there's obviously not that here because she says, I think I need a lawyer. And, and this is like doubly confirmed by the fact that when she says that, and I didn't play that part of the clip just for time, but when she says that, he's like, what? no, 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 no. Like, just keep lawyers away from this, right? Like, we're just talking, you and I just having a conversation. And that's a pretty, pretty classic, I mean, at least in movies, I'm not a law enforcement guy, but it's like from the movies that I've seen, that's a pretty classic law enforcement tactic to just kind of have, it's just you and me having a conversation. Just tell me what's going on and I'll make sure that, that you get get a good deal or whatever. And that's basically what he's doing yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And I don't see it as a good faith approach. So I, I do think that this is, this is something that kind of bites him in the butt. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. And I think that he's just, he's not very tactful with the way he approaches this. And I think he's like, he like even pulls out the the audio recorder. I mean, it's like, he's trying to just yeah. get everything right there. <laughs> it's a bit it's aggressive. Not, he has to remember who he's talking to here. And I think what he thinks is is probably an outdated way of thinking, which is that Skyler is the victim and that he is the knight in shining armor who's coming in to save the day. And that's really not the situation she's in. Now, we can't fault him for not knowing that, but he could have a little bit more tact when he's dealing with this. And I think that's part of where his approach goes awry here. Anything else on this scene before we move on to, to my best scene? Uh, just that Anna Gunn and Dean Norris do a great job acting. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's very convincingly done. Yeah, and it's great that I love that it's set in a diner. 
you know, I think it's just it, the, the feel is very, you know, like it feels right. I don't know if there's a it would have felt weird at one of their homes, but it just feels like right that it's in public here, too. Kind of. But I will say that, you know, I, I uh, sort of agreed with Skyler when he's like, just tell me everything. She's like, here, yeah, <laughs> you true. know, like we're gonna t- yeah, you want yeah. me to just tell you, like spill it all right here. Yeah. But yeah, I like the setting, certainly for the purposes of the show. All right, well, let's move on to my best scene. And this is a scene between uh, Lydia and Declan. She goes to confront him about involving Todd again in the meth operation. Okay, now you've seen it. Yeah, now I've seen it. What? Well, how about we start with, it's filthy. What are you, my mother? What filthy? It's just, it's dimly lit. Do you seriously think this is up to the standards of your predecessor? Because it's not, not even close. Well, the product we're making, it's uh, selling just fine. Heisenberg standards don't matter anymore. To whom? A bunch of scabby Arizona tweakers? They matter to my buyer in the Czech Republic, I can tell you that. Therefore, they matter to me. Look, I cannot move what this person is making if it's substandard. And it is. It just is. No offense. If you can do better, do better. Uh, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you try to get the man back, right? He said no, so, I mean, what do you want me to do? Todd. Use Todd again. First of all, Declan is like the laziest He's, meth dealer ever. I don't know how he has the millions of money that he <laughs> like millions of dollars that he has. I tried to get Heisenberg back, but he said no. So yeah. what do you want me to do? And I like, also love I'm, like, I'm gonna use the excuse whenever whenever my wife is like, uh, it's pretty dirty in here. I was like, it's just dimly lit. Okay. Just, just dimly lit. <laughs> Did you clean up? It's just dimly lit. It's, it's That's probably a better eyes. line though than what are you, my mother? So you, you probably don't <laughs> yeah, want to use exactly. that one when Maureen says no, no, I won't. I yeah. won't, but I, but I will say, uh, it's just dimly lit. Come on. It's fine. Yeah. There's no dust. Well, I mean, I just love that, you know, um, Walt was cooking at a 99% purity or, yeah. you know, 98.2 or whatever it was. Right. Right. Uh, and somehow Declan does see it as like an acceptable drop off to go from 98 to 68. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, now we're talking like middle school chemistry levels. It, it right. would seem to me. I think to his point though, it's, it's almost like he's right. The, the people who are sort of like the street level users, they don't care as long as they get their hands on some of the product. But I think what I'd like about the scene and, and what I especially love about the next part of the scene that we didn't hear that continues is, is that Lydia is not often in control. We have not seen her really be in control almost at all. And here she come in, comes in very strong. It's a completely different side of her, which I love when we get to see characters uh, approach things from different ways. But I love that the the shootout that happens right after this, where uh, Uncle, Uncle Jack, uh, the most evil uncle ever to live, uh, so bad. shoots up, yeah, shoots up Declan and his crew and, and sort of lays them all to waste. What I love about that is that we don't see it happening. And it's just such a nice um, change of pace from now, it could have been budget-wise. Like I read that it this, was, actually. I read okay. it was budget reasons. Yeah, they wanted to have but, a full-up full, full up shootout, yeah, yeah. and they were like, ah, I ran out of money. We'll just have the sounds. <laughs> yeah, but it's a, it's a cool way. It's a cool way of, of keeping it in Lydia's perspective. You know, they made the best out of a bad situation because, as you can see, then she does not want to see what happens. And so they continue that theme of her trying to, and I love this image of, like, trying to keep herself blind to the horrors of what she's doing. But it's not possible because she is walking with Todd minutes later and Uncle Jack has to finish off Declan. And so she's she's there. She can hear it. It's right next to her. And so as much as she's trying to separate herself from that, it's not possible. So I like the, the way the scene was constructed, even if it was, you know, a budget reason in the first place. 
Yeah, so two things. One, when she said scabby Arizona tweakers, I heard echoes of Jesse's pontification on uh, scabby cheese <laughs> on the, the TV dinner <laughs> yeah. lasagna. Uh, There's a scabby theme in season five. Yeah, it's exactly. And second, I was going to just agree with you that this is like a new Lydia. And I don't know if this is exactly a knit or not. Like, I don't know if I don't like the fact that this is sort of discontinuous with a Lydia we've seen so far. Or if I'm appreciating how her character is developing and kind of becoming emboldened as she gets sort of um, more powerful in the distribution game, if you will. Yeah, I think I think one of the themes of this episode is sort of spiraling, and and she's she's taking her spiraling in another direction than than Jesse does, and we'll talk about him a little bit more. But yeah. instead of spiraling down, she's sort of spiraling up to try to like make the best out of the situation she's now in because you know Walt left her high and dry pretty much. You know he left her with a substandard operation and she now has to answer to all these people overseas and she can't and Walt won't even talk to her as we evidenced last episode in the in the car wash so she's sort of spiraling in another direction than jesse well your point about spiraling and jesse in particular might be a great segue to your best moment yeah so my best moment is the cold open of this episode and that is jesse spinning on you know what that that to, what that thing is it's like a, i think they're just called think, merry-go-rounds right okay yeah it's yeah. but it's not like a it's not like the one with the horses it's just like yeah not a carousel a playground. yeah exactly okay. yeah yeah it's you know one of those things where you just spin um love those when i was a kid oh, they were like my just, favorite playground toys yeah I, I would just try to go as fast as possible and then yeah you know hurdle off at breakneck speeds they're so pretty dangerous sort of, too like i don't think they make them anymore oh, yeah. because they're, oh yeah they're too dangerous <laughs> Someone could definitely fly off one of those. Yeah. So the the episode picks off, picks up where Jesse sort of left off in the last episode, which is him throwing money just at random people, just giving it away, the money that he couldn't give to Mike's granddaughter and the the family of the the boy Todd murdered. And the guy who either is up really late or, or up really early, I'm not really sure what which of the two it is, he comes out and he basically finds Jesse just spinning on this thing. And I like this as a moment because it's visually very representative of, of where he is. He's spinning in a circle and he doesn't, it's it's like clear he has nowhere to go. And so I like the idea of what I was talking about before, which is like the spiraling. He's sort of spiraling downwards, which is, you know, shown by this wheel that he's spinning on. But also he's like spinning in the circle. He keeps coming back to the same place, which is where I feel like he's ended up in his life. Like there's no way for him to escape this money that he has that he he considers blood money. There's no way to escape from this business that he's helped to create and facilitate and all these people who've lost their lives. So it's just visually very interesting. There's no dialogue at all. And I, I love that, too. It's just it's such a like poignant moment that we get to kick off this episode. Well, and I love the fact that it's a kid's playground, right? This is Jesse, yeah. the boy whose childhood has been taken from him. And and now he has ended up where he is. And then think about what he's seeing. He's laying on the merry-go-round looking up at the night sky. He would see the, you know, as he spins around the, the merry-go-round, he would see the stars kind of looking like they're spinning in the night sky, which would be like the passage of time, right? So totally agree. This is a thematically powerful moment, um, especially for a cold open. Yeah, and it's sort of like bizarro kids' playground because it's the middle of the night, you know? So yeah. he's sort of like the bizarro child in this in this show because he's not really a child, but... He's often put in that like childlike role. 
All right, Zach, let's move on to your best moment here before we touch on best writing to wrap this up. What is your best moment from this episode? Yeah, uh, nowhere near as profound as yours. Just a funny little moment between uh, Huel and QB. Uh, Saul yeah, really knows how to, how to pick the names of his... <laughs> his yeah. uh, associates so these guys go to move the money for walt they see the giant pile in the uh in the storage trailer or in the storage uh uh, sh- uh what's it called storage container um yeah 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 and what do you call those storage unit I guess, storage unit, storage right? locker storage locker sure locker yeah um, something like that. Yeah. and so and then uh huel is just like man i gotta and they both end up laying down on the money and you get this little uh interaction here mexico all I'm saying. <laughs> I hit 10 guys in jail within a two-minute window. All I'm saying. So, you know, Huel wants to abscond to Mexico with all this money, which, <laughs> you know, not the worst idea I've ever heard of. But then yeah. uh, QB points out, like, hey, this guy, uh, this guy's pretty powerful. But I love how, first of all, just a funny moment. Um, there's a, there's a gif that I love to use of Huel laying on the money and yeah, I'll, I love that too. I'll send that to you sometime, Josh. I like to use that one a lot, uh, yeah. whenever I can, whenever it's an appropriate situation. But, um, one of the really funny things is that in the next scene with Huel and QB, after they've gotten all the money, they put it in the barrels, they show Walt and QB says, yeah, I took all the lids off the barrels in case you want to make sure all the money's there. And Walt goes, uh, close enough. So he knows like <laughs> these guys definitely skimmed a little off the top because yeah. they have to know, like there's. Walt doesn't have a perfect accounting of how much money there is. It's right. You know, uh, and so they definitely took some for themselves and that's confirmed when, um, QB looks at Huel and just kind of like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, I love that they, too. they get off with a little bit of extra, extra green lining their pockets. So yeah, good yeah, for them, I guess. It's good. Yeah. Anything else on best moment before we move to best writing? Nope. That's it. All right. So we have the same scene that this takes place. We have two separate parts of the scene that we picked as best writing. And I, I think they can sort of be talked about together. So we'll, we'll hear yours first since it sequentially comes first and then we'll hear mine. How long have you known? Hank said that when you walked into the pool, that's when you knew. When you had your... But not then. Before that. Since Gus Frank. The money. All that money that Walt made. When you bought your car wash. And your whole gambling story. So it goes on a little bit more, but um, I love how Marie is just kind of figuring this out for herself and there's no confirmation from Skyder. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in just a sec. But uh, then the next, next one we want to play is uh, when Marie, Marie then tries to take Holly away. You are not leaving this house with my daughter. Give her back to me. Marie, give her back to me. You're scaring her. Marie, give her back to me. Protect her. Protect her. Josh, as the uh, dad of a little girl who's roughly, you know, Holly's age, is it yeah. giving you PTSD to hear the screaming here in the scene? <laughs> I've heard it many, many nights. It's like, no, stay asleep, stay yeah, asleep. Yeah. No, yeah. My my child doesn't scream that much except when she's really, really. Well, she's hungry, never been so. abducted or like no one's attempted <laughs> right. to abduct her. So yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Aunt Marie has never tried to take her out of the house. So. <laughs> Uh, yeah, 
I just I just love these these two things. And I, I think part of the reason that I like it as best writing is because one, we get Marie putting the pieces together, but two, we get this this thing where Skylar just doesn't deny it. She could easily say, like, well, he told me it was gambling money. That's what he told me. Like she doesn't even try. And I'm not sure why she sort of gives up here. Do you have any sense of why she just sort of lays down? And I mean, in, in this case, it's one of those by not saying something, she's confirming it almost, you know, she's not in the legal sense, like they couldn't prosecute her for not saying anything. But for for Marie, it's like she's telling her pretty much. Yeah, I think that this is this is exactly what's going on. Uh, I think that's confirmed by the conversation that um, Skyler has with Walt later. I mean, I think she knows that anything she says can and will be used against her in a court of law, right? To, just to put it bluntly. I mean, she's an accountant. Yeah. She's yeah, yeah. she's at least worked some aspects of white collar crimes before. I mean, she's not sure. an idiot. Yeah, yeah. She knows kind of how this game works. And when she tells Walt later after he collapses, like based on the way Hank talks, he's got his suspicions, but nothing else, right? Um, that's Scudder that says that to Walt, isn't it? Yeah, she yeah. does, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think she knows, like, really, I'm just going to hurt us if I say anything right now. And so my best thing is just to say nothing at all. But that's what I love about the first part, the first clip that I played, because, first of all, credit to Betsy Brandt playing Marie, who just does a fantastic job in this scene. She's the only one speaking. You heard it was just all her. And then she's, like, playing off of Anna Gunn's nonverbal, really just sort of sitting there looking emotional, and Marie's having this, she's cogitating on the problem and she's having this, you know, internal conversation with herself that she sent, that she then externalizes into conversation and she's figuring out when exactly this happened. And I think it's just a really, really well done scene. I love these scenes in movies and shows where you have what amounts to a dialogue, but it's really all through monologue, right? So we get the sense that there's like this sort of energy back and forth between the two sisters, Marie and Skylar. But it's really only Marie talking. And as she does, she is indeed coming to a conclusion, right? She's like, when did you first know it was the pool, right? No, before that, Gus Fring. No, before that, the money, the, the gambling, all that was a lie, et cetera. And so she gets to the truth. I mean, Marie's no idiot either. She figures it out um, all through no words of Skyler. It's it's just really remarkable. A, a remarkable piece, piece of writing and acting, I think. Yeah, and I, and I love that the, you know, the, the last part of this, which sort of concludes this this great writing scene, it just, it escalates perfectly because what we heard in the first clip is Marie being very measured when she's speaking as she's getting upset, but she's not screaming yet. And then she slaps Skylar and then walks out of the room and then oh, I forgot about the slap. What, yeah. That's a great, and that's moment. when it, that's when it all explodes. Yeah. And so I love that the scene is not just all at a hundred percent. You sort of get a lot of it at 20, 25% and then it builds to when Skylar realizes that, Marie is trying to take her child away. Yeah. Which, you know, Marie is probably doing the right thing, but obviously Skylar's not going to stand for that. So I, I I love that how that scene scene is constructed and it's just really well written for the for all the characters who are in it. Anything else on best writing before we move on to our nits to pick an MVP? That is all I've got, Josh. Zach, any nits to pick in this episode? I've got I've got one. Uh and I, I can't tell if it's like a little one that's not really a good knit or if it's a big one that could kind of potentially like play an impact on the sort of direction of the rest of the show. But I'm wondering, is it realistic or was it really worth it for Lydia to have Declan's crew killed over what amounts to a 5% difference in purity, right? Because she was saying like it's 68% and falling. And I think Declan said that Todd was at like 
73 74. Years, 74. 74. Yeah, yeah. So 6% yeah. difference. I mean, that's, that's not much, right? Like may, maybe, maybe there's something about math. Maybe like 70% is like the magical threshold. And once you're over right. that, it's really good. And once you're under that, it's really bad. I don't know. That's possible. But absent that, you know, fact or absent that possibility, was it really worth it? Because this is a problem, I think, because even though Declan is an idiot, he's lazy, as we've said, I have no idea how he made the millions that he has. Um, he's like, he's a professional in the sense that he's like done this before. And I think he's not a loose cannon, which is the most important thing. Right. But now we're getting the Aryan brotherhood, the, the neo-Nazis involved. And these are bad dudes, like really yeah. bad dudes. If you ask, if you ask people to just come and murder another group of people and they willingly agree, they're like, yeah, Oh heck probably, yeah, we'll bring all the boys. Tell you something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so, so like Lydia is, uh, is, I think makes some really big problems for herself to get that extra 6%. Well, not only does she get an extra six percent, she gets fire hazard Todd because apparently he set the lab on fire. That's right. his third his yeah, third time out. That's right, the third so, cook. He lit it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah, that, so I don't. Is that a major nit? Am I am I justified in that thinking, Josh, or is that too I minor? I think I think it's definitely a nit, but I think it goes back to what I was saying before. If you if you're going to try to analyze it from a character perspective, you might think that she's just spinning at this point. She doesn't yeah. know what to do, and she's she's trying to get quote unquote control as best she can and this is what she is going to lean towards so, so i think it's not probably, really a rational decision that it's no she, she didn't think it through right yeah. and i think probably she's like in the short term like in the next couple weeks this will pay off but she's certainly not thinking long term yeah. and i think that's her biggest problem makes sense i don't really have any nits to make, but i did want to point out that at the very end of the episode hank is sitting at his table working on some files when marie comes in and says just nail him nail him to the wall and and he's like i can't do it but what i picked up on in that scene was that i had that exact same shirt that hank is wearing in the scene <laughs> which is a shirt from target if nice. anybody's wondering so you know the wardrobe people from breaking bad shop at target too hey so. there you go it's a great place love target yeah exactly yeah great 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 quality little t-shirt there <laughs> all right zach mvp for this episode i will throw it to you first to see and frankly because i'm i'm between a couple people so i'm gonna throw it to you and see what you say yeah so i'm gonna go with skyler uh i think she does very well in this episode we've got the hank and skyler diner conversation we've got the skyler marie we've got the escalating don't take my baby etc and seeing we didn't even really talk about a whole lot apart from a you know a couple comments that i made uh we've got the skyler and wall in the bathroom scene so Lots of character development uh, uh, being shown or showcased by Anna Gunn as Skyler in this episode. Um, and I think it really kind of drives forward what's going on and shapes the dynamic between the Hank Marie Schrader um, side of the equation and the Walter Skyler White side of the equation. So I'm going to say Skyler. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, the other thing I forgot to point out, it was would Walt really try to dig all those holes by himself? No, like he could have blind he could have well, blindfolded the guys. So I guess he could have. I guess, yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Because then like, he, he he literally almost died when he got back. It was those. I mean, those are big barrels. Yeah, probably pretty hard dirt. And I was like, really, he's doing this with a <laughs> shovel, like and 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 a recent cancer, you know, yeah, coming back. So crazy, ridiculous, crazy. Yeah. He could have just blindfolded the Huel and Hubie, and, and they told him they don't work. They don't mind working the overtime. <laughs> exactly that was pretty exactly. funny though and they're like hey you sure you don't need to bring us with you to bury all this money <laughs> yeah exactly yeah maybe he thought they were going to kill him out there and just drive away with all the money i mean it, i wouldn't put it past them to be honest yeah fuel's Huel, a big guy he's a huge guy all right well that's enough stalling for me i think i don't know i love your your reasoning for skylar here i think i'm gonna give it to hank again i think it's another hank centric episode and i think that 
he has good i think i like the way that his character is played you know that he has information but he can't necessarily use it but i also love uh, one thing we didn't talk about in, in depth that we sort of mentioned last time is that he doesn't have enough to to turn walton and there's part of it that's making him scared and sort of like uncertain and he's worried about being humiliated and i think that he really like dean norris plays that so well in the last scene between him and marie that i i think he uh, deserves another another mvp vote here so i'll give it to him that brings him up to eight which is i think clear for fourth place is that right am i looking at this correctly I yeah he's moved so, in yep. front of moved in front of gus fring and mike who are tied uh in fifth place now with seven and of course we have skyler uh in a pretty clear commanding lead for third at this point and then walt leading with 28 and jesse with 26 hard to get an mvp but when you don't speak although i was close he had a lot to do without saying anything for sure episode, yeah so. absolutely all right, Zach, anything else on season five, episode 10, Buried? Not on episode 10, but I will say I've started watching episode 11 for next week already. And, uh, you know, I think there's this scene with Walt Jr. that I think uh, you might be <laughs> oh, compelled man, I ha- by. I haven't rewatched it yet. I haven't rewatched it yet. It's, so you uh, never know. It's not great. It's not great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see if Walt Jr. can swing in and get one MVP vote before the end of the series. Spoiler alert, probably not. Probably not. If you have anything to share with us, please reach out, breakingpod at vernacularpodcast.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, anything we missed on this episode or any episode before, anything you want us to discuss. We'd love to cover your, your message on the show, so please reach out to us. And until next time, I'm Josh. And I'm Zach. Talk to you then. <laughs>